Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. It's Upworthy Weekly, and I'm Todd Perry, a staff writer here at Upworthy. Allison Rosen is with me, and she's the host of the super popular podcast. Allison Rosen is your new best friend and childish with her co-host, comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. You've also heard her on The Adam Carolla Show, where she co-hosted for four years and seen her on Comedy Central's At Midnight. So on the show today, we're going to review some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories for the week of November 22nd through the 26th. Now, mind you, it's been a holiday week. So I snuck one story in there that's from last week, but I really wanted to get to uh, last week, but we just didn't have time, Uh, didn't have the bandwidth for it. So I'm going to sneak it in here and nobody counted against me, okay? I didn't realize you were sneaking something in. That's that's how sneaky you are. You snuck it past me. I got it past you. I could have got it past the audience, but you know what? This this show's all about full transparency. That's right. I, I admire that. As broadcasters, if we don't have our credibility, then what do we have? We have nothing, Todd. Exactly. Then people won't trust us, and they'll go on, and they'll be like, screw you guys, I'm listening to the Buzz- BuzzFeed podcast, if <laughs> BuzzFeed has a podcast. That's right. So, Allison, what do we got going on in our stories today? Well, we have some good stories, and I'm not even talking about the ones you snuck in. These are the ones that came in legit all right, Todd, here is a story with the headline, Working Mom Calls Out Parenting Double Standards of How Her Husband Gets, quote, Daddy Privilege. And this ran on Wednesday. It's by Jissa Joseph. Uh, a newscaster turned bakery owner named Chloe Sexton says she recently had an experience which illustrates the double standard between men and women and the way men are treated like heroes for doing the bare minimum as fathers. In a now viral TikTok, she explains that she's a business owner. She owns a bakery. And every week she goes to a place called the Restaurant Depot to get supplies. And we're talking like 400 bags of flour, 100-pound bags of sugar. She does this with her infant strapped to her. (laughs) And she also did it when she was massively pregnant. She gets no reaction because she says she's just a woman doing normal woman things. Well, recently her husband, who does have a job, had a day off. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go to the Restaurant Depot for you. I'll get the supplies. He went there with their baby. And the reaction he got from people was, in his words, embarrassing. He was treated like a hero. Oh my God, look at you. Oh my God, you work so hard. That was the reaction. Uh, Apparently someone even walked by and was like, it's a whole ass baby. And she pointed out, yes, it is. It's his baby. She says, he's just a father, just a parent doing the same stuff. And stuff was not the word she used. Doing the same stuff I do every week. So she believes it's way past time that society realized the days of men being the sole family breadwinner are over. She says women carry equal and in some cases majority breadwinner weight these days and are still deemed less worthy of parental praise somehow. She goes on, by all means, cheer on that dad you see struggling to hip hold a baby while opening the freezer door in a grocery store, but also express that same praise and helpful hand to the mother who might take his place six days a week. Mothers may not need praise, but they sure as hell deserve it. Wow. That's powerful. Now, as a mother of two, do you see this? I do. It's, you know... It's almost the same. Everyone reacts to, I'm going to take it to, to a, a dog level for a second. <laughs> Everyone reacts to a puppy. However, back before we had kids, when my husband, Daniel, the one who, as we've said before, many episodes is in danger of an anvil falling on him. He's unaware. Uh, as, when he would walk the puppy, he would get a bigger reaction. I think there's something about men being especially paternal yeah. That draws a huge, re- it's a real crowd favorite, <laughs> more than a mother being maternal. And I think to Chloe, the woman who did the viral TikTok, to her point, people expect maternal behavior from a woman. They don't expect it as much from a man. So then men get a parade when they just, you know, do shopping with a baby with them. And hey, that's unfair. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think you're 100% right. Uh I remember one time I was at a party and there was like a whole bunch of people with young kids. And it was like when my my kid was a baby and I went into this one room where everybody had like all their baby crap just like stacked in there. And there was a gal there that who was 
changing the, her, her baby. And I was right mm-hmm. next to her changing the baby. And she was like, wow, that's really incredible. <laughs> and, and I was like, what? She goes, that's, you know, my husband doesn't even change the kid. Says he will not change any diapers. He is a dad but won't change diapers. And I was kind of blown. My mind was blown by that as somebody who kind of, you know, I try to be a feminist. I try to believe in, you know, egalitarian and it's yeah. uh, amongst the parents. But she sat there and I was just thinking like, I wanted to almost go into the party and have a word with this guy. Like, why are you yeah. putting all this on your wife? Like, you're a pretty terrible human being. Like, what are you doing to compensate for this besides, you know, right. having a cocktail right now while your wife is over sitting next to me and we're, we're literally cleaning poop, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's crazy, but I think it's still a thing. You know, maybe yeah. maybe not so much and more kind of, I don't know, liberal parts it of defi- the world like where we live, but. No, yeah, it's definitely still a thing. I always felt very lucky that Daniel really helped out a ton and didn't pull any sort of like I so uh, we were in a mommy and did you guys do mommy and me I never even heard I the t- even the term mommy and me makes me <laughs> a little uncomfortable <laughs> and I had never heard of mommy and me and I didn't realize it was like a uh, a whole thing you could do after your baby is born uh but a friend of mine who had a baby at the same time told me about the mommy and me class that she had enrolled in so then I enrolled in it as well and uh, I'm still friends with some of the women it was a good thing however uh so everyone was so sleep deprived at the beginning and oh, there yeah. was a woman in that class uh whose husband worked in the medical field and told her he couldn't get up with the child at all in the middle of the night because he needed his sleep because he's like holding scalpels and stuff the next day, which maybe he has a point, but I just always felt like, Oh, how convenient. I feel like she was so tired. Yeah. I feel like he's got to really backload that on the other end. Like, okay, look, I can't do the feeding in the middle of the night because you know, I'm cutting aortas. Uh, but he's got. He wasn't even cutting aortas. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, but, it, but he's got to. He's got to stay on the back end. But I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. Yes. And I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do every diaper. I'm gonna do eighty percent of the diapers. Maybe they can make some kind of deal. But just, I'm just opting out of this major part right. of rearing a child. Now it's interesting what you said. Now I might be looking too deep into this, but you said that you were lucky that Daniel took such a. Uh, role in the parenting right like like almost like it what like almost it's ingrained in you this expectation that men aren't supposed to play as as big of a role as the the mother I think you're right my gosh yeah I think you're totally right I think I do feel lucky because it is accepted if the dad isn't as involved, it's frustrating and it's not, no one likes that, but it's still, you can still be considered a good father if you're semi checked out, but providing for the family. Whereas if you're a mother and you're semi checked out every, I think every, I'm making huge generalizations, but everyone has a problem with that. Everyone feels that that's somewhat neglectful. Um, and we are, you know, Daniel and I both work. So it's, to go back for a second, and I realize I'm a little bit all over the place. You said that it, in the situation where he, the the husband that I mentioned, where the husband isn't getting up at all in the middle of the night because of his job, you were saying they have to have some special arrangement where, like, he does 80% of the diapers in the waking hours. I think the arrangement they had, and I'm curious what you think of this, I think the arrangement they had is he brings in all the money. Because, uh, no, I that's not... I don't That's think that flies it. anymore. I agree. I don't think, I don't think that, that flies, flies anymore. Because she's, she's, again, she's working with the child. Like, yeah. okay, fine. Then you both work and the child dies. Like, her <laughs> her job is an important What a terrible job. arrangement. You know, yeah, you know, everybody can do things their own way, Allison. Can't you? <laughs> it's not mine to judge. Right. I, I get, look, I have an open mind. I'm tolerant. I still feel that is not the wisest arrangement. But hey, you do you. That's right. Have you found that people, like what kind of reaction do you get when you're out running errands with your son? Uh, I think normally people are really positive. I know when my son was re- really young, like a, a baby, I, if I didn't have all the, you know, 
periods in the right place and, you know, didn't dot the I's on, you know, how the kid was dressed to go in the store or whatever. I do recall getting a little bit of side eye from particularly older women. Oh, my God. They love to put socks on a baby. Yeah. They yeah. are so uh, in across the board. If an grandmother age woman sees your baby without socks, they are compelled to tell you about it. Your baby looks cold. It's yeah. just like, back oh, off. he's so cute. Oh, he's cold. Yeah. Back off, you old crone. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, I got that a couple of times. Like, or my kid was like knocking over oranges in the store or whatever. And mm. I, I, and I got some, like some judge, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just look back. And I give him my, my mean face. <laughs> I give him, that's, Chit's chilling. That's all I get. Um, but yeah, I, oh, here's one thing. I, I'm going to be honest. I do play up the fact that there are very low expectations for men when it comes to domestic things is that I cook every meal in our house. Oh, so nice. I, cause, uh-huh. And I really enjoy it. Like my day is not complete unless I sit and I get my hands dirty. And it's just an opposite part of the brain than my normal work day. So it's like sit and have a beer. I put on a podcast I like, have another beer, maybe a vodka. And then I get I get through a meal and then – then, what I'm hearing is you have a drinking problem. A- and a cooking problem. Uh, <laughs> they go hand in hand. But so but so then the next this is what I get the biggest joy out of ever. And this is totally selfish and petty. But my wife will then bring the, the leftovers to work and microwave them. And the other teachers will go, oh, what's that? And then she'll go, chicken piccata. And she'll go, oh, where'd you go to eat last night? And she'll be like, I didn't. My husband cooked it. Todd, I owe you. And a, a mea culpa. And this is hard for me. Okay. But we talked recently about stuffing in the bird or out of the bird. Yes. I made two out of the bird stuffings and they were both very dry. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So I think you're right. And, you know, people raised because there was just quite a this was we almost went viral on social media talking. I, I posted a poll. Yeah. Uh, to see whether people traditionally cook it in the turkey or out. The vast majority cook it out of the turkey. I think everyone must have had a pretty dry stuffing Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, I have a listener on my other podcast who is a doctor, and I was talking with her, and she does it inside the turkey. Oh. And I was thinking, she's a doctor. She's a lady of science. She did I her think research. she's very careful. Yeah. She did her, her own research, and she went to medical school. Right. Uh, and I think she's very careful, and I think she, you know, takes the temperature of everything, but she prefers to do it in the turkey. So I don't know anymore. Yeah, I think that, you know, you have a year to think about it. So, Todd, I want to tell you and the listeners about a new show I think you guys are going to love. It's People Magazine's People Every Day. It's hosted by editor-at-large Janine Rubenstein. People Every Day is a mix of the most popular celebrity and inspirational human interest stories mixed with entertainment news, exclusive interviews, and feature stories. From unpacking Britney Spears' conservatorship and culture scandals to interviews with stars like Julianne Moore, The Rock, Chelsea Clinton, and more, People Every Day is your daily dose of pop culture and what makes makes us human. Cool. And they just find that on Apple, on iTunes yeah. or wherever, wherever, wherever they get this podcast. Wherever you get podcasts, people every day, just search for that wherever you get your pods. This is the story that I snuck in here. It was, um, it it was this was from last week, but uh, I decided I wanted to talk about it, but we just couldn't quite get to it. And that is a, John Mayer had a wonderful response to a Taylor Swift fan who wished him dead. Taylor Swift gave a tour de force performance on Saturday Night Live last weekend with a 10-minute version of All Too Well, which is believed to be about Jake Gyllenhaal. For Swift's loyal fans, known as Swifties, the SNL performance brought the Gyllenhaal breakup back to the forefront, and some, sensing a trend, took the opportunity to address another ex-musician John Mayer. Swift eviscerated Mayer on the song Dear John, which appeared on her 2010 album Red. One Swiftie wrote an extremely mean message to Mayer on Instagram. F yourself, you ugly bee. I hope you choke on something. But she used the full words. And then she said, yeah. and then she then just demanded a response, adding, answer me. To her surprise, Mayer did. 
He said, hey, it's John. Uh, I've been getting so many messages like this over the past couple of days. I decided to choose yours at random to reply to. You can feel free to screenshot, share in any way you like if you want. I'm not upset. I just tend to have a curious mind. I like that. I tend to have yeah. a curious mind. It's usually before I, I do anything really bad or dumb. I tend to have a curious mind. but uh, <laughs> And I feel compelled to ask, do you really hope that I die? And then she responded, my friend literally dared me to do it. Uh, she's a big Taylor fan. So am I. It, it was a dare, and I'm sorry. I didn't expect you to see. So Mayor responded by showing that he's kind of a human being. And he said, so it's a fun thing people are doing without taking account that I might actually see it and be affected by it, he asked. So then, you know, she kind of responded, and he, you know, saying sorry, and he said, it's 100% okay. Go forth, live happy and healthy. So it's very gracious of him. I thought so. After too. she hoped that he choked. I know. Said, send him a version of the Radiohead song. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I read that and I thought, you know, because I think we've talked off mic that I've kind of come around on John Mayer because I, I love the dead and dead and company, which he plays guitar in. And I went from, oh, my God, I like John Mayer. Oh, this is hurting me to like, ah, oh, <laughs> John boy. I love that guy. But so. He got this message and he replied kind of nicely and just wanted to know, like, why are you a troll? And then I thought to myself, yeah, I've dealt with a bit of that, having written for Upworthy. And, you know, we do tons of articles about politically sensitive things um, and, you know, just about a lot of issues that people are really passionate about. And I've done a lot of podcasts. And so I've taken my share of people trolling me. And I think I've got to the point where doesn't bother me that much unless they're right yes exactly that's when it that's when it that's when i'll think about it i'll go you know what you were right i was lazy on that show or yes there was a typo in that or you know somebody criticized oh the bits are terrible on your show but you know the, the banter is good or whatever and i was like eh, maybe the bits are terrible i don't know um so that the, the three-star review with that in there is what like keeps me up at night right Right, right. If if the if the review is motivated by clearly this person has their own stuff and they're a hater and they give me a one star because they're having a bad day or whatever, then you're like, oh, it's not about me. But when it, you're like, oh, it is about me, that is uncomfortable. Yeah, and I know you've probably, I assume, dealt with a certain amount of trolling in your life being out no, there. No, 100% of people who hear me love me. And I've just been blessed with only positive reviews. So I, oh, I can only take sort of an intellectual uh, stand. I can, I can relate on an intellectual level, not an emotional. Um, no, of course, I have been, uh, I've been writing and podcasting for years. So yes, of course, I have run into it as well. Uh, it used to bother me at the very beginning. It, it, it hurt my feelings a lot. And I would really take it to heart. And I'm very happy to say that at this point, it pretty much rolls off. Yeah. Um. Not all the time, of course, but but uh, for the most part, I think I t I take it in stride, and I understand that, um, you know what, we're I am putting out content, we're putting out content, other people are consuming it and reacting to it, and that is really what you hope for. Like I don't love every single episode of television shows I watch, unless it's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, as I've explained. Um. <laughs> But <laughs> but I'm still actively consuming it. Uh, you know, I just people have opinions. Um, I I do think this is gracious of John Mayer. I also can understand. Like, if I were to write a comment or a DM or whatever to John Mayer, I don't think I would expect that he would necessarily read it. No, he seems kind of beyond that. You'd think that he maybe he doesn't check his DMs, but just I, the volume of DMs he he must be getting, the volume of correspondence. I wouldn't think he could see all of it. I think that is. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Like that's a misconception people have. They think that if they're writing to someone who's at a, a certain level, the person's never going to see it, but probably the person will. Yeah, because people are curious. He what is in the spirit of curiosity? What did he say? <laughs> I just tend to have a curious mind. Yeah, he has a curious mind, so he's combing through that stuff. Wait, can we go back to something you said though? Yeah. So you why why were you anti John Mayer, and then uh, now you've come around? 
I just thought that he made like I thought he was like funny when he was on Chappelle show or whatever, mm-hmm. or I thought he's kind of an interesting, funny guy or whatever, but I thought his music was like really corny, bad, you know, bad pop music. And then when he started playing with Dead & Company, kind of doing the Jerry Garcia role in the band, I was like, wow, this guy is like a really seriously good musician. And I came yeah, to like him playing in that context. And like the way he presented himself, and I was like, all right, this, this guy's all right, you know. I was just right. kind of, I was being too much of a hipster in my... uh I think I had maybe a similar feeling about him. I did not feel, even though I always, <clears throat> unlike you, I always recognized his guitar talent. I didn't, I wasn't a, a, a fan of his music really. And then I interviewed him um, for a magazine I worked at and he was so funny and fast and witty that I really came around on him. Yeah. He was very likable. Yeah, yeah. He's not so- to the Swifties. No, but not to at this all. Rosen he was. I mean, look, he charmed. Uh, I mean, he's he's he was Pete Davidson before there was a Pete Davidson, you know. Yes. Y- yes. Except. He, well, no, I'm actually I, I was going to say, except that I feel like he's more classically heartthrobby, but maybe not. No, he is. A study has come out that says that grandmothers may feel closer to their grandchildren than their own children. And this is from a story that ran on Wednesday, and it's by one Todd Perry. Hey. It's you. Thank you. So for the past 55 years, scientists have theorized that one of the reasons humans live so much longer than their reproductive years is because of grandmas. It's called the grandmother effect. And it's the theory that in hunter-gatherer societies, grandmothers play an important role in finding food and raising children and putting socks on them. (laughs) Uh, So there's a couple of studies that back this up. In one, in Finland, they found that having a maternal grandmother between the age of 50 and 75 increased a child's rate of of survival in another they found that the shorter the distance so location wise shorter the distance between the grandchild and the grandmother the more the grandmother can be involved which has a benefit to the daughter and her grandchildren the grandmother effect could be why a new study shows that grandmothers feel a closer emotional bond with their grandchildren and i feel like if you've ever seen a like when i watch the way my uh, my mom or Daniel's mom interact with my kids and then juxtapose that with like his and my memories of our childhood. It's very clear. Wow. These grandkids can do no wrong. I don't think we got that same latitude. Uh, so 50 grandmothers with at least one grandchild between the ages of three and 12 were shown a series of photos, one of their grandchild, one an unknown child, another an unknown adult, and then the same sex parent of the grandchild. When they saw their own grandchild, it activated the part of the brain responsible for emotional empathy and movement. And when they saw their adult child, it activated the part of the brain responsible for guilt trips. I'm just kidding. It activated the part of the brain responsible for cognitive empathy so in other words with their grandchildren they're trying to emotionally empathize with them when they see their own adult children they're trying to cognitively understand what their children are thinking correct very interesting it's like my friend uh the great dr carl totten who i do what's this dow all about the podcast with he talks about the difference between leading with the heart versus leading with the head And Mm -hmm. every situation you can look at, you go, okay, I can go heart-focused on this or I can go head-focused. And you'll take a totally different take on the situation, you know. Um, But, yeah, I I found this was really interesting. It's like when grandma looks at grandkid, they get, you know, a whole bunch of endorphins and all this amazing, like, good-feeling stuff. And then they look at their kid, and they're looking at them with a little bit more of a critical eye. I'd like to see this study where grandma looks at the mother of the kid that's not her kid like my mother looking at my wife and and, and they they did a brain scan you know (laughs) right that would be that would be funny because my my mother unintentionally because she's such a sweet woman i think unintentionally has a way of undercutting my wife all the time they get on fine but when my mom just kept pressing on the fact that the kid looked just like me and not a bit like (laughs) her my wife will never live that down Yes, my mom, the very first thing she said when Daniel texted a photo of Elliot, so he was a couple hours old, and Daniel texted the photo, my, mom's, my mom wrote back, oh my God, he looks exactly like Allison. 
And my mom talks about how, so, you know, I have two children. One looks just like me and one looks just like Daniel. We got like the lady in the tramp situation happening. (laughs) Um, But my mom just goes on and on and on about how much Elliot is like a little mini me. And I don't think it makes Daniel feel great. Yeah. But she's right. Oh, right, right. My <laughs> does. my mother calls my son my son my name quite often. Oh wow! Oh Todd, like this, and then you just see my wife's like just start self emulating. Like <laughs> my wife becomes like the Buddhist monk on the front of the uh, Rage Against the Machine album cover, just like <laughs> <sighs> like. <laughs> great thing is this explains why throughout history. Again, why humans live so much longer past their reproductive years mm-hmm. and kind of the way hunter-gatherer societies work together. You know, it's um, right. it's a pretty cool explanation for some big human mysteries. I will say that after I had kids, I appreciated the grandmas. Well, they weren't grandmas before that point. Um, I appreciated my parents and my in-laws so much more because that help became invaluable. Yes. Um, you know, they had offered to come out right when my first baby was born, and I, I didn't want that. I felt like I, I just want to sort of adjust to being a new mom without a whole bunch of people in the house. So, and I, and I was drowning, like it was very difficult. And then when Daniel's mom came out from Arizona and stayed with us for a couple of weeks, it was like the first time I felt like I could sleep again. And obviously I had, you know, tried to get in some showers, but like shower without feeling like I'm neglecting something. And it really, it was, it was, it really changed my relationship with her. Oh, that's great. And it's like, oh, this is the way this is supposed to be. This is healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the way this whole thing was set up or not set up, maybe evolved, you know? But yeah, this is the way this is supposed to work. No, I was just going to say it makes you understand the the people who don't move very far and then live in multi-generation households. Like there's a reason for that. Yeah. I, you know, I always I always told my wife, I said, you know, I wasn't really that interested in having children. Like it was kind of just whatever. Like if it Mm -hmm. happens, you know, pull the goalie, see what happens. And um, but obviously now I I love being a dad and, and all that that entails. But I always told her, I said, I just want to be a grandpa. You know, <laughs> I want to bypass the whole having my own kid thing and just be like a grandpa that says wild crap and no yes. one judges him and, you know, pull my finger and can leave at any moment because he's old. <laughs> just like, right. Ah, all right, we just ate. I'm going and no one questions you. And but have you started planting the seeds with your son that like he needs to reproduce soon so that you'll still be around? Because we are also older parents mm. and I feel like, you know, if if my kids wait to have kids till they're older, too, I don't know if it's going to happen for for my husband and me, this grandparent thing. Well, I bought him a book and it's called I Don't Care If It Happens Out of Wedlock. <laughs> and it's a little it's a nice little little book and it just tells about there's many different types of families <laughs> and many different times to share you know i need to get that for my kids so there's a great instagram page that people out there would probably really dig and it's called recess therapy and basically a writer comedian named julian shapiro barnum uh just started interviewing children and asking them like the big questions about life and it's really hilarious. It's really heartwarming. I think if you like the kind of stuff that we put out on Upworthy, you're going you're gonna to get into this page. So our social media correspondent, Lucia Nell, uh, she actually got to speak with Julian about how he got started, what he's learned. Uh, so you guys just check out this quick interview. I think it's really cool. The, the kids on it are really cute. And um, after that, we're going to be back with another story here about a controversial topic. Hi, I'm Julian Shapiro-Barnum. I'm the creator and host of Recess Therapy, which is an on-the-street kids interview show that I've been doing since April 2021. I started it it as part of my senior year school project, Um, my thesis, so to speak. I went to acting school. The entirety of my senior year was online, which was brutal. And the one respite that my friends and I would have was going to hang out in the local playground and just doing work (laughs) and being outside. And over the course of the year, we became very familiar 
with all of the neighborhood kids, like from a distance. It was spring. And I called my friend Charlotte Weinman. And I was like, let's let's talk to them. Like, why not? Like, what are they up to? What are they thinking? How are they like staying so chipper yeah. while we're all miserable 20 somethings? Right. So tell me, why is this called recess therapy? I'm specifically interested in the therapy piece of this as a huge mm-hmm. advocate for therapy myself. I think that talking to kids can be incredibly therapeutic. I mean, they bring so much honesty especially the younger kids, they like are very honest with you. Mm -hmm. It's very sweet and like cathartic to hear them talk about the ways that they grapple with and deal with their emotions. Plus it's very nice to dwell in sweetness and cuteness, which there isn't that much of these days. Yeah. And I think there's a sense of like unflinching openness to the world you know even when they're sad or even when they're angry or even when there's this sort of like unfiltered approach there's always Mm -hmm. a sense to your point of like wonder and you know openness to truth you know I pulled out some of my favorite quotes from these episodes (laughs) because you know just as playful as it is and you know goofy at times as it is which is what makes it you know delightful and kid-like there's so much moments of like this age old wisdom, like nuggets of wisdom that just like reveal themselves out of nowhere. And it kind of blows your mind because you're like, where did this come from? You know, (laughs) but then to your point, it's like kids are smart and they're insightful and they're kind Mm -hmm. and they're open-minded. And this little girl out of nowhere just says, yes, she goes, love is everybody's hope in the world. I was like, oh my God, like, can I have that on a mug? I feel like love is everybody's hope in the world, even even people that we don't know. It's all around us. Another quote that I loved, I think it was the Pride episode where you were at a Pride parade. Mm -hmm. And you said, what do you say to people who are not accepting? What do you say to people who are not accepting? why it really is as simple as that you know it like takes all the politics out of it it takes all the adult sort of like you know layers we've put onto these pretty basic concepts of like okay like you love you love it just shows how a lot of kids without the conditioning are so accepting and loving who do you think my favorite kid that you've interviewed is that's fine. Is it the is it the jazz yes! concert guy? <laughs> it's nice to hear this uh, old kind of music because now uh, more like uh, rock and roll and metal are popular. But sometimes it's refreshing to hear uh, how the old times were. Um, what is the most memorable answer you've gotten? I asked this little boy a question, and he said, I know what this is. You're trying to kidnap me. That was, really, that was very memorable. I didn't... You can follow Recess Therapy on all socials, but especially on uh, Instagram at recess underscore therapy. And Julian, you can follow Julian at JulianMSB on Instagram. That's JulianMSB on Instagram. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. So, Allison, on a scale of one through five, one being terrible and five being amazing, how was your week? Uh, I'm going to say I had a solid four. Oh. It was a good week. Lots of family time, Thanksgiving. Yeah, I enjoyed this week. Great, great. I'm uh, anything specifically that you know that was great about well, it. Well, I feel that I, and this is something I struggle with, but this week I was really able to be in the moment, mm. uh, and just you know, on Thanksgiving, no, the day before Thanksgiving, got up, cooked a lot of stuff. We had Christmas music playing. I know you don't like it. You are wrong. We had Christmas music playing. We began decorating. And I just took a moment and I thought, 
I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I have my children. I'm so lucky that I have this family and that I get to be with this family and enjoy the holiday season. And I've spent many years not able to be in that place. Yeah. Just thinking like, I know I should feel a certain way, but I don't feel X, Y, Z. I feel all this other negative stuff. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I just felt, I just felt such joy to be in that simple moment. And, uh, hence four, I'm saving five for like something really out of this world. Okay. And, uh, are you a better person than you were at the beginning of the week? Yes, I am Todd, because I, like I said, I cooked a lot for Thanksgiving Mm. And I don't know if you have ever cooked. Remind me how old your son is. Five. Okay. That's so then you know what I'm talking about because you mentioned you cook a lot. Cooking with a child, good in theory, in practice can be very, very frustrating. At the beginning of the pandemic, when everyone was making bread, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get the ingredients to make bread with Elliot. I don't even want like this whole activity is for him and then I couldn't wait for him to go take a nap so I could finish without him I found it so frustrating so this year I thought I'm gonna make I'm gonna do a lot of cooking he's gonna help me he already he because he's very excited about that he wants to be a baker when he grows up (laughs) and uh I hope I hope that I don't get really frustrated and I was able to enjoy the whole thing with him I didn't feel limited by like, oh, the recipe says fold that in. You're just flopping the spatula around. <laughs> I was I was fine with all of it. Hence, I am a better person. That shows a lot of development. I still am Thank a little you. bit like, oh my god, like maybe you shouldn't help me cook bacon, you know? Uh, oh, because the splattering grease. Yeah, that that <laughs> they're right at that height, you know. It's yes, like eye level bacon with the height. splattering grease. But yes. So. Uh, what about you, Todd, on a scale of one to five, one being awful, five being amazing? How was your week? Well, you know what? Honestly, I know that you want to save your five. Uh, I'm going I'm full five because I had a very, oh, wow. very memorable week. Wow. Very memorable week. Uh, it started last Sunday. I went to Las Vegas to go see the Las Vegas Raiders uh, take on, oh, God, I don't even remember who they played. Oh, it's the Cincinnati Bengals, and they, they, the Raiders lost, sadly. They won yesterday against Dallas, but they lost, and I was, I was at the game, and on the way home, I was on a flight from Las Vegas to uh, Long Beach, and that's about, you're like 37 minutes in the air. It's a very quick mm-hmm. flight. You're up, you're back, and as I'm waiting on the flight, it's like 8 o'clock at night. I just want to go home, you know, just relax, go to bed, and I notice the flight attendant is talking to a gentleman about five rows up and kind of with a window seat. And she says, "Uh, excuse me, you're going to have to wear your mask the correct way. And then he said something back. I can't quite tell what what it was. And then she came back with, this is federal regulations. You need to be wearing your mask on the plane. And she was gesticulating with her hands, you Mm -hmm. know, because that's what flight attendants do. You know, exits in the back, exits in the front. Here's how you click your seatbelt. You know, they're... They're hand communicators. And so the guy, this man who was like 40 years old, grown-ass man, responds to her by mocking the hand gestures. Oh, and, my gosh. And doing like a blah, blah, blah kind of thing. Yeah. and Wow. Well, he, he could be elected president. Right. <laughs> and uh, when you're famous, they let you do it, you know. Uh, but <laughs> I just... Sat there, I was like, I can't believe this. This is a grown man that knew, you know, if he was pro-mask, anti-mask, whatever his deal is, he knows you get on a plane, you got to wear a mask. That's what the rule is right now, or else... Everyone knows this. Drive yeah. drive to Vegas. I mean, how did you get to Vegas in the first place, right? You probably took a, took a plane. And so he was just, like, I don't know what he thought he was winning in life by telling this woman who Confusing, just yeah. wants to get home. You know, it's like people are rude to wait staff. You know, she's... She didn't make the rules, you know. Um, so I was just sitting there like beside myself, like, oh, my God. And then I thought, oh, you know what? This is actually a great experience because, you know, in the future when the pandemic is gone, we'll all have great pandemic stories. And I'll be like, I saw an anti-masker <laughs> get thrown <laughs> off a plane, which is right up there with, you know, anti-masker screaming in Starbucks or, yeah. you know, any of this great meltdown footage we've seen. Yeah, if you had like a pandemic bingo card, bingo. Yeah, 
I almost feel like telling the story. I feel like people think I'm making it up just so I have that story, that chest of the story. But so then this guy comes on the plane that works for Southwest and his Southwest vest, you know, the blue one, and comes out, asks the other two guys in his aisle to, you know, get to the back of the plane. And he asks the guy to come out. And then he's like, would you please, just really nice, uh, would you please grab all of your possessions you have on the plane? And then you could tell the guy, the, the guy's body language, he was like, oh. Oh, this is embarrassing. Like you can see the guy sink. He wasn't like fighting back. Like he had the mask right. on all the way. It was just like that look of like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Oh no, how am I gonna get home? This is the last flight back, you know? Yeah. And the guy just slowly walked off the plane and it was glorious. But right. you know, he got Did everyone applaud when he was taken off? No, it was I think it was the time of night where everyone was just like, just get off the plane. Like everybody just kinda yeah. looked at each other and did a collective eye roll, you know. <laughs> But and then I got to say, it was also memorable because last night uh, it was Thanksgiving and I actually vomited at Thanksgiving. If uh, you did. Yeah, I did. I did. I vomited at Thanksgiving. I'm a grown man. I do have this weird party trick I do where I can eat really spicy things. Uh huh. And my brother in law is like an ex-Marine. It's <laughs> like you're. But, oh my God. but you're never like an ex-Marine, you know? You're like always uh-huh. a tough guy Marine. And I'm always yeah. trying to prove, hey, Todd Perry, writer for Upworthy, manly man as well, you know. No, I did not serve, but... You uh, served your country in, by writing uplifting stories. That's right. That's right. So uh, at a certain point, my nephew goes, hey, Uncle Todd, aren't you guys going to eat something spicy this year? And... <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure thing, kid. Yeah, a little bit of champagne, and uh, so I had this cookie somebody gave me. There was a chocolate, like a little, like a little Ghirardelli chocolate that was mm-hmm. a what they call it. it was a black reaper pepper chocolate. Oh my gosh! Which was my friend bought me for some like prostate cancer charity. So it's like you buy those and you give them to people, for, and, and they, you know they charge you for it, and it gives I mean, the cancer research. So I was sitting on that for literally. <laughs> No pun intended. I was <laughs> sitting on that for <clears throat> quite some time. And then my brother-in-law was like, game, let's do it. And we cut it in half. He had half. I had half. And like usually when you start getting into exotic peppers, you're looking at me like you'd never eat like a reaper pepper or anything. It's just not on your docket. I don't like spicy stuff. I am very, very, I'm very sensitive to spiciness. Things that like a, like a medium spicy salsa is a little intense for me. So I'm just staring at you like, wow, where's this going? Yeah. So normally when you get an exotic pepper like that, you eat it and it takes about three minutes for it to just slowly envelop. And then you're, then you're, then it's killing you, right? This does it, but does it burn at the beginning as well? Usually it doesn't. Usually it takes a second. This oh. was like getting hit by Mike Tyson right after the bell rung. It was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, no, oh, no. And I, I put my hands over my face like I was trying, like it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, like my face was going to melt. <laughs> and I immediately, immediately oh, just no. ran over to the kitchen and I grabbed a thing of milk. And then my brother-in-law runs to the sink and he's almost like puking in the sink. And then we're like, like sliding the milk jug across the the <laughs> table so he could go, 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 like drink it. And I was like, ooh. And eventually the milk was not enough. And I went to the ice cream that was out for my pie. And it was just like mm-hmm. eh, licking spoons of ice cream. And of course, now everybody is just laughing at us. And but after about 12 minutes, I kind of was okay. And a half hour after that, I went into the bathroom. And I just, out of nowhere, just karate practice like wow. and, uh, <laughs> it was it was horrifying and i feel like i'm the most immature human being ever that at 44 i'm throwing up but after that it was great i felt i felt like a million bucks it's like i had a new lease on life i could re- you did the classic boot and rally yeah <laughs> sorry to admit that to you allison i'm sure you think less of me now and, I uh, don't actually. I feel like your body did what it had to do. It's dirty work and no one likes to do it, but it took care of business, TCB. Ooh, you're showing me a tattoo, but I can't quite make out what it is. Does it say TCB? <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, are you a better person than you were before? No, no, because it reminded me that lessons are easily taught, but not easily learned. 
Like I should have known. Is this regarding the pepper or the mask? The pepper, the pepper. I think <laughs> I sh- I learned years ago that I ain't touching that again, and I did. Yeah. Mother proudly teaches her five daughters that virginity doesn't exist, and it makes total sense. Huh. It's by a guy named Todd Perry. I know him. He he oh, he threw up on Thanksgiving. Wow. The concept of virginity is a very loaded issue in American culture. If a woman loses hers when she's too young, she can be slut-shamed. If a man remains a virgin for too long, he can be bullied for not being manly enough. Probably by, you know, me just shoving in with hot peppers saying, (laughs) why haven't you gotten laid, you know? Um, And there's also like a whole slew of religious mind games associated with virginity that can give people some serious psychological problems associated with sex. But what if we just dropped all the stigmas surrounding virginity and instead replaced them with healthy attitudes towards sex and relationships? Writer Case Lacante is going viral on TikTok for the simple way she taught her five daughters to think about virginity. She says that virginity is a patriarchal concept used to control women and serves no purpose other than making women feel bad about ourselves. Just because some guy randomly sticks his penis in you at some point in your life does not change your worth. It does not change who you are. It doesn't, ch- it doesn't do anything other than it happened. And so she says, you know, the people th- who think she's encouraging promiscuity, she says sex is important. It's a big deal. It should always be a big deal. It has nothing to do with your first time. It's just ridiculous. The whole concept is ridiculous. So uh, she got a lot of love on TikTok. A lot of the commenters were like, yes. And people thought that it's such a concept that's so ingrained in our society that people don't even think to question why it exists in the first place. Yeah, the first time I heard that virginity is just a construct, I feel like I heard that within the last couple of years. And it's so ingrained in me that I didn't even understand what that meant. Yeah. It took me a little while to sort of think about, like I remember also in college hearing color is just a construct. And that was confusing to me because I'm like, no, blue is an actual thing. But I but I understand like what we define as blue versus green versus all the different colors. That's sort of a thing we've agreed upon, I think. Or I could be totally wrong. But at the time, that made sense to me. Uh, and we've decided that virginity is this thing that we value and, you know, losing it as a rite of passage. And we place so much importance on it. But why? That's just something we decided on. Yeah, and I think it's also, I think, I mean, obviously, I think religion has a huge bit to do about yeah. that. There's all, the, you know, obviously, you know, the Virgin Mary, right? She right. Uh, she had God's kid and uh, without any touching going on. Um, and so Immaculate. It's, immaculate. It was, it was it's immaculate. It was a perfect call. It was, you know. Um, it's interesting, the idea of just raising them without any belief in virginity as a thing at all. And yet I, and I love it. And yet, I find it it is hard for me to let go of virginity as a notion. So I lost my virginity. I was on the older side. I was 20 and a half. It was my half birthday. And oh. with every half birthday, I think of it. Oh, wow. Was that, was I it don't like, celebrate it. Was it like a half, it. a half birthday gift to yourself and significant <laughs> other? <laughs> every- no. <laughs> no, we saw Ace Ventura 2 in the theater. And that got you going? Uh, that was- <laughs> and I said, it's time. No, we had been dating a little while. I knew it was going to be that night. So I was so nervous and excited. And the more nervous than excited, even though it, it, it wasn't a bad thing. But I just couldn't, I couldn't focus on the cinematic treasure that was Ace Ventura 2 because... I was just thinking about what was going to happen that night the whole time. And then also because we we build up virginity to be such a thing that maybe people build up that experience so much that, you know, maybe it's, it's hard to meet what the expectations are. And sometimes a man doesn't always meet expectations, Allison. I, you know, it's a lot of pressure all around and it really doesn't need to be, but yeah, it was definitely anticlimactic Mm. because there was no climax. It was the, Cause, and I hope it's different nowadays 
but you spend, you know, back then I, w- I was the kind of kid I always wanted to be older. I wanted to wear makeup. I, you know, I read uh, teen magazines and I read Sweet Valley High books and teen romance novels, which are there's all these. Uh, what was it called? Young Love, the Young Love series, I think. Um, and I just wanted to be older and I wanted to get my period and I wanted to go to prom and all those things. So I had built it up so much in my head. So then, no, there's no way like real life can compete with that. Yeah. And, and I think on the opposite side, I think for men, it's just more like, okay, once once this happens, then I'm going to enter this world where the stink of virginity will be off me. And just every woman, you know, as I'm walking around town, will go, ah, oh, that guy does it. I can tell, you know, <laughs> I think. And I think that's the way guys see things in a certain way is they've kind of gotten rid of a stigma. And so then maybe they're going to end up, you know, their first time having something that doesn't really matter or, you know, because they just need to get that done. They need to get that Mm -hmm. out of the way that maybe if there wasn't such a stigma on virginity, then the guy go, "Eh, you know, he or she wasn't really the thing, you know. Right. Um, it, It should have been with somebody else or someone I felt more comfortable with or. Right. Well, I mean, in in both of our scenarios, neither of them are about the connection with the person. It's both, it, you know, my my situation was just about me and what's going to happen to me, what it's going to mean for me, my life. And you're talking about how it's sort of like something you just want to get rid of. But yeah. neither of us are talking about the person that we were with. Yeah. And the car you're in, you know, car matters. Right. If I had my druthers, it wouldn't have been a Tercel. An 89 was it really cell. a Tercel? Yes, it was. Yes. Stick oh shift. Stick shift. It was a stick shift. That, I, I think that's what impressed the lady. Was oh, he can drive stick. <laughs> you know, he uh, <laughs> he cooks and he can drive stick. And uh, wow, he was a good bowler. And and have you seen him with a Reaper pepper? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think in the end, it's all about kind of stopping attaching sex and morality. I think yes. obviously sex and morality can become a problem if you're like cheating on people or hurting people or you're or having you're, children when you and d- then abandoning them. Yes. Or, or yeah. Or um, uh, what was I going to or you're, you know, maybe not being safe and spreading diseases. And like, OK, we can attach more morality all to that. But to healthy sexual expression between two consenting adults, nobody's business. Agreed. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly this week. Um, join us back next week. Be sure to review us on uh, wherever you get your podcast. Please leave us a review. It does help us out. And uh, be sure to subscribe, whether it's on Apple, iHeartRadio, Google, Stitcher, Amazon. Subscribe at any of those places uh, so you don't miss us next week. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. <laughs>